The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined today first by Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. Hi. Very spirited NFL discussion before the show with Rick ending it with the dismount, just landing it with uh, some Eagles smack talk. It was uh, it was brilliant. Good job. It's quite easy to smack talk when your team is uh, undefeated, and I believe the only such team. So, yes, it's it's quite easy to pull off. When that happens, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, two and two victory Monday for your New York Jets. Yes, and Rick, I would say uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Yep. Although I, I think you're, I think the Eagles are really good, but um, the NFC East is always unpredictable. Always unpredictable. As a Phil, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, Greg, I will get excited when they are parading down Broad Street, and not a second prior to that. I promise yep. you. And that's a good move. It's a good move. Yeah, I feel like uh, the Jets have some hope, but not that this is a football show. But I was just saying, um, I am optimistic for the first time in a long time. Not that it's gonna anything's gonna come of it this year, but I feel like there's a positive direction, which is great. Uh, I also feel like there's a positive direction for many of the players in this field this week. And I'm really looking forward to that as well. Okay. Well, let's just jump right on into this week because we're in Sin City. See ya. TPC Summerlin producer Troy. If you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. It's my website, rickrungood.com. There it is. That's the course key stats model. I know this one very well, but this is a golf course that we see often on the schedule and it generally does not provide much resistance. That's right. It will be one of your classic uh, swing season birdie fests for sure. Uh, I think even if it gets a little windy, which Rick, you would probably be the the best arbiter of whether that's going to happen. I still think it's going, you're going to see scores that are very low. You're going to see a cut line that's very, very low. So when your guy starts off day one and he's you know, 300 and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Well, just hold your horses there because that might not be a good number to survive Friday afternoon. But yeah, looking at this course, it it definitely feels like approach is going to be key here. Putting, of course, is going to be key. Um, These are big greens. Greens in regulation will probably be high. Um, I I am still looking for guys who can keep it in the fairway if they can, but approach is certainly something I'm more focused on than most. Yeah, you can get away with most things off the tee, Greg. As long as you're not super wayward where you find the desert, you're generally going to end up being fine. And the trickiest spots on this golf course are probably around the greens. But uh, some of the pros, I wouldn't know if they'd define them as tricky as, as much as just flat out awkward. But it's probably worth noting at this point that um, this course has been shut down since April. They they. They dropped new turf on every fairway, every green. It's that uh, dominant bent grass. It's what they have over at uh, Summit Club, which is a a course that hosted the CJ Cup last year. Uh, It's a much more... I don't know what the word is. Um, It's able to deal with kind of the the harsh summers and some of the chillier days that we get here in Vegas in the winter. You know, the interesting thing about new grass is it tends to play very fast. Very fast. Uh, And I have some experience at places. the, The golf course I was at in college put in new greens and not new fairways. And it was in Myrtle Beach, a very wet area. But the greens were so firm all year 
it made the golf course played so hard because if you landed it literally a, an inch short of the green, it would plug. And if you landed it an inch onto the green, you had a hard time holding it. So it, it can make it very difficult. Um, I also have some experience at a place that did all new fairways and greens like we saw at Summerlin um, this or like we're going to see at Summerlin this year and everything just plays fast. So it's easier than just doing new greens uh, and much more fair. But it, it my expectation is you're going to see a really firm and fast golf course. The tendency yeah. is with new grass to be very bouncy. Uh, and I wonder if that holds the scores down a little bit, even though it is a, a very short, a lot of wedges. So there'll yeah. be a lot of opportunities. I just, I think you're going to have to be a little more precise than most years. Yeah. We saw, I cannot remember where it was. And I think it was last year, or the year before where they had redone like six greens and those six were trampolines and yeah. the other 12 were like the, the regular normal grades that they, they had existing there. And it did, it did make a difference. Um, see, uh, Greg also kind of notes the length of this golf course. It's 6,200 on the scorecard. We're at 2000 feet of altitude. It's not going to play like that. It's, it's going to be driver wedge for most of these golfers. That's right. I think you might have said 6,200, but 7,200 and, and, and some change uh, yards. But yeah, absolutely. It's going to play shorter than that, which again, this is one of those places that's going to keep everybody in play. Your Ryan Armors of the world, as we've seen at this tournament in the past, are absolutely in play. So um, again, either way you slice it, long long hitters, bombers, shorter hitters, uh, they all qualify for our DFS lineups. Yeah, and, and I would say, just to add one thing, sometimes... Um, you know, you're only talking about four holes on this golf course that are over four par fours that are over 450. So it, even for these, for the bombers, sometimes on new grass, when you get that 70 yard shot, um, it, it's not necessarily an advantage. Um, the, the spin advantage that you have can be wiped away. And so I think even more so this year, it opens it up to short hitters and long hitters, even though we've seen that in the past, it's pretty open to any length player, even more so this week. I think it will be. And Greg, what you're referring to is a situation where these professional golfers get 70, 80 yards. It's not a full shot. They're not able to get as much spin on it. And when you have a firmer, faster golf course that you are not able to get as much spin on, it's harder to control your ball. That's what you're referring to here. Yeah. Well, the, the way they play these kind of distance wedge shots, I guess you could call them, is they, they flight them really low with a lot of spin. Um, but spins an interesting thing. You're talking about what's the actual stopping power of a shot. And typically you see that hop forward and stop. And sometimes maybe they even come back a little bit. But in this case, when you have that low trajectory with a lot of spin, the first hop is going to be a lot bigger and a lot harder to judge. So you'll see some situations. This is my, my guess with my experience on new grass, um, where that first hop is really big and it, it doesn't allow you to access front hole locations where if you're coming in from, right. you know, 120 yards, 110 yards, and it's coming in from a little higher trajectory. Um, it, it's a little softer in the landing and, I do think you're still going to get a pretty big bounce, but I guess the long and short of it is front hole locations are going to be really hard to access no matter what distance you're coming from. So I think it takes away a little of the advantage uh, of the longest hitters. Greg referred to the par four, so we might as well cover the threes and the fives here. See, it's a par 71, so there's only three par fives. Uh, the threes will will provide some resistance. 196, 197, 239 on the scorecard, and then 14's the shorter one. That's 168, but those fives are just like you, you better you better get them because if, if right. you're not if you're not making birdie if you're not having a run at these things uh if you're playing the fives at even par for the week you're losing a ton of ground on the field yeah and if memory serves the eagle rate on a couple of those par fives is, is relatively high relative to to most courses so yeah you, you definitely have to but then again that lends itself to the misconception that like oh i have to have a bomber for for those holes and i just don't think that's the case so um if you have a bomber that's great for those par fives but I think they're very gettable for the shorter hitters as well, or for the relatively short hitters as well. All right. Uh, let us turn our attention to this field. We'll go pricing tier by pricing tier and figure out what we can find. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Uh, here's the cheat sheet. So we've got three and three golfers alone in that $10,000 range. Patrick Cantlay leads the way, 11100 Max Homa, 10-6. Sung J.M., 10-4. Greg, uh, Patrick Cantlay has elite, elite course history. Sung J.M., our defending champion, and very, very good course history. And then Max Homa, who just uh, coughs it up every time he comes to Summerlin. Yeah, it, um, <laughs> it's kind of a tough range to parse through, even though there's only three players. And uh, Max Holmes is probably the guy that uh, I'm leaving out only because of the course history. I know he's been playing great golf and on a on a great run, but the record here is, um, let's just say, to be nice, weak. And that's being very nice. It, it's it's not. It has not been a great golf course for him. And it's completely opposite for both Sung J.M. and Patrick Cantlay. So now you're dealing with, it's very easy to kind of weed out Max Homa. There's there's a reason for it. Even though he's been playing great, it's not easy to do, but there's a clear-cut reason. You start talking about Patrick Cantlay and Sung J.M., and I think that decision gets very, very difficult. Uh, okay, let let me play devil's advocate here, Greg. Let me bounce this right back to you here because yep. you, you're, you're referring to the Max Homa uh, course history, and it's it's very bad. Uh, the last, he played in 2020, 2019, 2018, missed the cut in all three of those. He played in 2014, which was probably as an amateur, right? 2014 and 2013, missed the cut in 14, finished T30 in 2013. So that's yeah. four consecutive yep. missed cuts. Okay, yeah. The argument would be that the 2020 version of Max Homa, the last time he stepped on it on the course of TPC Summerlin, is nowhere near the type the, the golfer that he is now, right? So if you look at the stats, yeah. he was like uh he was gaining 0.3 strokes per round in 2020. In 2022, he tripled that. And so far this season, he has played one PGA tour event and he won that. Is there any credence to Max just being way better now? Yes, absolutely. And that's why he's the second highest priced player in this field coming off of four straight missed cuts here. Right. There's no there's no question about it. He he is deserving of that price point. Um, and the game has been improved. I mean, you noted it in strokes gain total. It's been improved in every area. Uh, short game has improved. His putting has improved and gotten much more consistent. So those are reasons to like Max Homa. But when you're comparing him to Cantlay and M, who also have been playing some really good golf of late, just like Homa, and also have great course history here, I just I think it, it it's a, a way to help you decipher who you're going to choose here. Um, yeah. And it, it's not a it's not a great way. I'm not saying Max Homa is going to miss a fifth straight cut in a row, um, but it, it just it puts him third on my list in this 10k range. <laughs> A stark contrast, see, when you start comparing it to Patrick Cantlay, who literally has elite, 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 elite course history. There is nobody, whether they're in this field or not, who has played as many rounds at TPC Summerlin as Patrick Cantlay has with the results that he has. It's a win. It's two runner-up finishes, and it's a tie for 
eighth. Now, all of that coming in 2020 or before, he did not play this event last year. And then Sung Im, obviously our defending champion, uh, that was the culmination of a buildup of really good results. So he's played here three times, T15, T13, then he cashed the win. So it, it is way different for two of the guys in the 10K range when it comes to course history. Totally agree. And that's why, obviously, Cantlay and Sungjae are going to be way more popular than Max Homa. So I think that's something you need to keep in mind. It's really hard to get away from either Sungjae or Patrick Cantlay's course history here. And for the record, the recent history as well, uh, especially in Sungjae's case with his very recent history. So, yeah, I mean, just I think it's pretty obvious that Cantlay is is probably the best play in this, this limited range and that Sungjae's second and Homa's third in terms of outlook. But in terms of like the game theory side of it, I wonder how how far below Max Homa is going to be, not just from those two, but when we get to the 9K range from Aaron Wise and Tom Kim, who I know are going to be popular as well. I wonder if Max Homa is going to be the least popular among the five of them. And if that's the case, I'm certainly more inclined to play Max Homa rather than or at least I'm inclined to play Max Homa with one of those guys uh, rather than just avoiding him altogether. Any other 10K thoughts before I move us out of here? Yeah, I, I got one more on Sung JM specifically. Okay. Maybe this helps you if you're parsing through. So you look at what Sung J has done recently, and I know it was a while ago. We saw how well he played at the uh, at the President's Cup, but um, you're talking about five straight events, gaining two or more strokes putting, um, and very nearly two and a half or more putting. And when I go to his course history here in the three events... The one he won last year, he had a great putting performance where he gained over five strokes. Um, he lost he lost strokes in the previous two on the greens, um, 1.99 and 2.25. So he lost some significant strokes on the greens and still finished inside the top 15. Um, I, I, I think it's safe to predict a pretty good putting week from Sung J.M. And... If he hits the ball anything like he a normally does and b tends to do here, I think you're going to see a guy right up near the top of the leaderboard. So I, I'm probably a little more partial to Sung Jay because I think he'll get less ownership than Cantlay, uh, and I I think there's a you know at least a reason to make that choice. The nine K range fascinating and deep lots of golfers that you can like here. Aaron wise, 9,900 Tom Kim is 97. Taylor Montgomery is 9,500. The bottom of this range, Emiliano Grillo at 93, Cam Davis at 92, Alex Norton at 91 and Tom Hoagie rounds it out at $9,000 flat. So Sia, this nine K range uh, is quite exciting. How, how do we want to start allocating our funds here? Yeah. And for the record, the only reason I, I just narrowed the, the, when I was talking about the 10 K range, Aaron Wise and Tom Kim was just because I, I feel like, you know, we we know pricing is obviously kind of artificial. They got to put prices next to names. I think if you would put Aaron Wise and Tom Kim in the 10K range, I don't think anybody would have blinked at that. You know, 11,100 for Cantlay. Let's say Sungjae was, you know, 10,700 and, you know, so on and so forth with, with Max Homa being, you know, 10.5. I think you could very well put Aaron Wise and Tom Kim up there. I only say that because we look at ranges and, and they're, they're kind of artificial. You're, you're thinking in the back of your mind, you you want a guy from the 10K range, you want a guy from the 9K range. Just remember, this is this is a little arbitrary. These guys kind of get got to get ranked down there. But I like Aaron Wise and Tom Kim. I'm sure everybody's going to be on Tom Kim for, for good reason. I think Wise is going to be popular too. So we'll have to wait to see how ownership shakes out there. I think maybe some of the less popular plays in the, in the 9k range maybe tom hoagie you know he's probably going to gain some steam but nothing relative to what we're going to see with in my opinion what we're going to see with wise tom kim sung jm and patrick cantley so i like tom hoagie i you know when i'm breaking down these swing season tournaments i usually i go back i, I don't go 36 rounds i don't go 24 i go kind of way back because I'm, I'm looking at pedigree more than i'm looking at recent history this time of year and Tom Hoagie rates out really, really well. As you might expect on approach, he's awesome in terms of gaining opportunities. He's great. Birdies, uh, DraftKings points, all top 10 in all of those areas, including ball striking. So I think Tom Hoagie um, definitely has some upside here. Kind of shocking to see him at 9K, but I get it. And then, of course, I might go right back to Miliano Grillo, who I think had a chance to win this tournament last week. And we know the putter has gotten better. The ball striking has returned to form. 
Uh, he had kind of a flat Sunday, you know, a little bit of a flat Saturday, not a flat Saturday, but a flat Sunday and just kind of fell out of contention. But those are probably the four guys I like in the 9K range. I'll be more inclined to play the lesser owned of them, however. And that's why Juyang Kim and Aaron Wise might be more of, of a cash game play for me rather than tournament. Tom Hoagie coming off a T12 at the Fortinet and then a 10th at the Tour Championship. But remember, he started like 29th. So that was a big move up the leaderboard in the staggered start of only 30 golfers and a, and a T4 to 3M open. So that's three top 12 finishes in his last five starts. Um, Emiliano Grillo, Greg, uh, Sia said something to the effect of, I think he could have won last week. I think he should have won last week, right? He yeah. makes a triple on the par 5 14th on Sunday, played 71 holes well enough to win. The putter is very much a big improvement. And I, I'm i with Sia on, on Emiliano here. Like I, I will go back to the well until these stats tell me otherwise, but I want to know how you're going to deal with this 9K range. Uh, I, I love Emiliano Grillo. And if you just go clicking through, like I do every Monday, I click through all the players here and get like a, you know, a general consensus. Yes, no, then start to consider ownership and some of the things that I've seen. And the reason Emiliano Grillo didn't win last week, <laughs> I've been I've been toiling with this one. Uh, and I thought, well, it, it's kind of a revenge competition. He lost by four. He made a triple on a par five. He had 86 yards to the flag. Now, easy math says, well, if he gets that up and down from 86 yards, which I know isn't likely, but possible, certainly possible. If he gets that up and down and makes birdie, he's in the playoff. And who knows what happens after that? I mean, maybe he gives it away somewhere else later on. Maybe he makes a couple of birdies and does win the tournament. Um, but that was a situation where he's in the rough on some firm greens going over a bunker has plenty of green to work with and makes a complete mess. And I, part of me feels like we're going to have a lot of those shots this week. Um, and, and I, I looked through not for the purpose of this tournament, but for the purpose of what happened on Sunday. And he's, he's not very good in that um, kind of 50 to 125 range. He's very good from 125 to 150. But some of those distance wedges are not really a strength of Emiliano Grillo. Um, so I'm, I'm toiling with it because I love what I've seen. I love what I'm seeing with the putter out of him. The claw grip is working. But I just have kind of a eerie feeling that he's going to face the shot that cost him the tournament a lot this week. And so I might be willing to jump down to a Cam Davis, who I feel very good about with the with the wedge play. I feel very good about his performance at the President's Cup. I feel very good about his putting. I, I feel really good about Cam Davis. And before the President's Cup, we were all on him seemingly every week. Yeah. And given that his name hasn't come up here yet... Uh, I'm wondering, and given the other names in this range, with my, I mean, even Taylor Montgomery, I imagine he could, will be fairly popular. I'm wondering if if Cam Davis gets forgotten a little bit. Um, probably unlikely, but I, I think I think Cam Davis is my lean here. There there is an kind of an embarrassment of riches in the nine K range. You know, we talked about. Yeah. Aaron Wise and Tom Kim and Emiliano Grillo, who should have won last week, and Cam Davis, who's been playing well. Um, Taylor Montgomery added another, another gentleman, top 10 finish to his resume last week. That's now, count them, six in a row across the PGA Tour in the Corn Ferry. Nine of his last 11, he has been on the first page of the leaderboard, just finds a way to get up there. Oh, by the way, home game now gets to come home to Las Vegas. How much do you put into that, Sia? Because there's a lot mm. of Vegas guys, whether they are born and raised, whether they're UNLV, whether they live here now, whether there is just some tie. There's a lot of Vegas guys. And I'll tell you, if you're a Vegas guy, there's there's really only two places a lot of them play out of. It's TPC Las Vegas and it's TPC Summerlin. And so if you're a Vegas guy, you probably know this course very well. Yeah, I, I think I would lend it a little bit more credence because of what you just said in terms of it being one of the two very popular courses for these guys to play. I always look at the history, though, because we've had recent tournaments where somebody's like, oh, it's a hometown narrative. And then you look at his 
his course history and it's like miscut, miscut, miscut. So, I mean, I, I'd like to kind of see if they've actually been successful in their hometown because that can be both a, a positive and a negative. Maybe the course is set up differently. Maybe they have obligations that are just super annoying to them and they can't, you know, get their mind right on the course. So um, I, I think I look at it on a case by case basis to answer your question, but I don't put a lot into it to answer that question. Took Xander like six tries at at Torrey Pines to figure that one out, Greg. What do you yeah. what do you think? Because there's literally uh, off the top of my head, there's like twelve to fifteen like legit Vegas guys in this field. I I put nothing into it, okay. uh, zero. I I don't look at it as a bad. I don't look at it as a good. I I try to avoid it, uh, and and the reason is. Well, one, I, I think the Vegas golf courses in general open themselves up to everybody. I, I don't think it's it's not like um, the southeast courses where the Bermuda grass is very tricky and guys have to get used to it. And some guys are very familiar and comfortable. Some guys aren't. It's it's a little more at least it seems to be a little more uh, user friendly little more generic and i think that gives everybody a chance um and and with the hometown thing as sia mentioned we've seen it time and time again it, it can it's the the pressure that can create a diamond or burst a pipe you don't really know how players are going to handle it and i i don't think it's fair to try to predict that so i i tend to just completely throw it out uh and and i'll go on other uh, uh, analysis before I go to, you know, hometown narrative. The one guy in the nine K range that we didn't talk about, Alex Noren finished runner up on the DP world tour last week. So as if you okay. needed like, uh, right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. What's in this range. I literally just raised my hand. If anybody's watching on YouTube, because I was going to mention Alex Noren and, and yes, the DP world tour thing is, is important, but as he sort of stacks up against these other nine K guys, he's got to be the least popular in this range in the nine K range. And it just, that, that drew my attention because I think Greg's right. I think Cameron Davis might get a little forgotten because people are going to want to play wise and Tom Kim, somebody upstairs, like a can't lay or, or a Sung Jay, they're going to want to play Taylor Montgomery, maybe Emiliano Grillo, maybe Tom Hoagie. I think Cameron Davis gets edged out here, but not as much as Alex Norn. And especially because Alex Norn, a doesn't have history here. And B, if you look at his recent history, it's pretty awful. And it's funny because it reminds me uh, from a recent history standpoint, I was going to bring up, I swear, I was going to bring up Mackenzie Hughes on the show last week. And I didn't because his recent, his, he had such bad history like coming into the tournament. And that's why during the swing season, I like to look at pedigree more than I like to look at recent history. And I do think Alex Noren is a really sneaky play, not because his pedigree is so great relative to the other 9K guys, but he is 100% going to be the least popular 9K guy. And I think there's a ton of value in that from a GPP standpoint. Before I forget, we had a very rare occurrence last week, Greg, where the guy who won the golf tournament, Mackenzie Hughes, was not the highest draft king score sep straka actually outscored him i think it was one sep straka i think had 127 and a half and i think mackenzie hughes had 120 something like that happens happens a couple times a year happened happened last week interesting i would imagine a playoff is kind of an important element in that yeah because you both play to basically the same thing and to the same score in regulation and if yeah. one of you gets there with three more birdies uh, and three more bogeys, that's better. Well, maybe four more is better than um, the 10 point difference from first to second. Right. Which right. Is makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to have some, a little bit of a birdie, which makes so much sense with Mackenzie Hughes, who's not a big time birdie maker, um, but scrambled his, his tail off last week. So yeah, interesting. There I you can, go happens happens like three times a year i think usually something like that one down the eight thousand dollar range the seven k's and the six k's are coming up but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range. Small. Brian Harmon, Davis Riley, Taylor Pendrith, Siwoo Kim, Dean Burmeester. Then we round out the bottom half with Denny McCarthy, JT Post, and Chris John Mav McNeely, and Keith Mitchell. Let's go, Greg. First crack at this. All right. Um, well, I'm interested in Brian Harmon, and I'm interested in Siwoo Kim. Um, those would be my, probably my top two guys here. So we'll start, let's start off with Brian Harmon. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what we get out of him. Um, we haven't seen him since the tour championship where he played pretty well. He lost strokes putting in his last two, but to see his point about pedigree, he's a very good putter. And I think that can go a long way for, uh, uh, for him throughout this week. I think he can really turn it on. And and his record here is pretty good. He's got a, you know, he had three straight top 20 finishes. One was 2016, but 16, 19, and 20, he finished top 20 in all of those events. Uh, and, and I think he can bring that kind of form again this week. Um, again, it's one of those guys, not overly long, but if this, if this golf course does show a little bit of teeth because of the firmness, I like what he does around the greens. Uh, I think he'll be able, I, I like what he does with his uh, approach putting. Um, and, and I think that can go a long way for him. So I, I like Brian Harmon. The, See, go, sorry, oh, real ahead. quick, real quick on Brian Harmon before we get to see who came, he's gained strokes putting at TPC Summerlin in six straight. So maybe if there's a place for him to kind of get right, find the putter, it's a place that he's had success at before. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. Uh, Siwoo, I Siwoo love Kim. that. Now, Siwoo Kim, if you look on rickrungood.com and didn't watch the President's Cup, uh, you see somebody who's really struggling with the putter. Yes. But I feel like he kind of fixed well, it. Well, do you know why, Greg? He changed putters. He went to the broomstick. So yes. what you're seeing on rickrungood.com is 23 strokes lost with the putter in three starts. That's hard for me to do. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay. And then what he did is he played a, don't quote me on this. It was a Korean tour event or an Asian tour event. He played something in between the BMW championship and the president's cup where he unveiled that broomstick, Greg. And then we saw it again at the president's cup. And it was, uh, it was better than 12 on the negative side. I'll tell you that much better. Um, I mean, leading ends up being the leading point scorer for the for the international team, and, and and the reason he was on the international team is because of his driving ability, his ball striking ability, which we know can be very good. Um, and then to add to that, so I love the putter change, Rick. You you know I I love seeing a change and seeing immediate results. Yes, I like this even more because we haven't seen the results on any of the data. There's no data to back it up. It's purely eye test. And and that scales out some people who may not catch that, may not be onto it. Now, of course, they are as I've given away the secret. (laughs) And we know that how much I move the markets. Um, (laughs) But here's the other thing about him. At TPC Summerlin, he has gained strokes putting in three of five starts here. Uh, And in one of them, he gained nine strokes putting was only good enough for a T15. It was a bad ball striking week for Siwoo there. But I think he can get that back on the uh, uh, back on the horse. I think he can hit the ball better than he has here in the past and score a little bit. So I'm looking forward to Siwoo. I think he's a really good play this week. He has used the broomstick twice to our knowledge. Once at the 38th Shinhan Donghai Open, which is an Asian tour event that he finished T5. But Rick, he's Siwoo Kim. He shouldn't finish T5. He should win. Okay, fine. Uh, And at the President's Cup, which I guess we could say, Greg, that's like if those are your two results, a fifth at an Asian tour event and the top point scorer at the President's Cup in the two eye tests that we saw with the broomstick, those are about as too good of eye tests as we could ask for. Yes, Uh, and they went very well. And you don't see him throw in the putter. Right. It's a, it's a good side. He's happy with it. He's hitting good putts. Uh, and, and I think that's going to go a long way for him. So I'm, I'm jumping on that narrative. I'm hoping to get on it earlier than everybody else. 
and and I think it could I think it could pay off because again I I look at Davis Riley and Taylor Pendrith, um, even a yeah, and and I I just I wonder if they're going to soak up some of the attention away from a Siwoo Kim. As much as I loved the nine K range, see the eight K is a little underwhelming. There's some there's some interesting names here. Uh, Greg mentioned Davis Riley. I like that. The Siwoo Kim argument with the putter, I can certainly get on board with that. I'd even buy back in on JT Poston, but I'm not like. Sp- super stoked about many of these guys i'm not either but that's where the opportunity lies in in the sense of maybe fading some of these guys in the 9k range like let's let me let me ask you guys this let's just pretend that over the last few weeks davis riley and taylor pendrith and maybe brian Harmon played really well and just they played all the tournaments and they played really well if we had them up in the 9k range maybe right under aaron wise and tom kim that that wouldn't be a big deal right you'd be like yeah that makes sense they're on a roll and they're, they're pretty good golfers right Oh yeah, yeah. if they were ahead of Norin or you know, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be a big deal. A, a lot of these guys, if they were kind of you know with with good recent form, not that the recent form has been bad. I'm just I'm just presenting a hypothetical here. I think from a roster construction standpoint, you, in tournaments, I think it makes sense to take one of those popular guys up top. Let's say it's Patrick Cantlay, or or let's say it's Sung JM actually. And then take two of these guys in the upper 8K range. Uh, for example, I like Brian Harmon, too. I like Davis Riley. I like Taylor Pendrith. And you just skip the 9K range altogether because you know people are going to be diving in, if not once, twice in that 9K range. I just want to present the, just the alternate roster construction with some of these guys that A, aren't going to be as popular, and B, can kind of soak up and leverage some of the stuff that's in the 9K range that you know people are going to be playing. The, the three I like, and I just put a lineup together, Harmon, Sung JM, Davis Riley, and I put Smotherman in there because he's so cheap at 6,500. But I got two of those three 8K guys. I got one of the 10K guys. I still have 7,700 7, left for, for my last two. I think Brian Harmon's really smart. On this course in particular, he's got good history. The putter's been bad, but we kind of solved that mystery. He, his putter has been good here specifically, and we know generally he can be a pretty good putter. Approach has been excellent lately. Harmon is the type of name, just like Siwoo, where they kind of get po- more popular as the week goes. So I'm kind of curious curious how that's going to end up but i like taylor pendrith uh, i like davis riley just for their upside and i like brian Harmon as well because of his course history and, and the things i laid out those are the three guys in the 8k range i really like and i'm definitely going to make some lineups that leave out a 9k guy altogether and play those guys since i've been pointing out the vegas guys mad mcneely's here in this range his course history not very good three missed cuts in four starts so certainly not a like oh this person spends a lot of time in vegas they must be good at tpc summerland like not definitely not a blanket case um anybody else in the eight case before we get out the sevens are great but mm-hmm. anybody else in the eights before we move on you know, th- it kind of brings up a general question to me because uh, at first glance, I was I really liked Keith Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, excited to see him back here, but course history is really bad. I tell you why, Greg. Yeah, tell me. I don't think you get a huge benefit for being a great driver here, as yeah. long as you keep it out of the desert, you are fine, and that is Keith Mitchell's weapon. M O. And I don't think he has, he does not have that big of an advantage off the tee here. And then it turns into the rest of his game, which is, it's fine, but it's not way better than everybody else. Like his driver is. So it's kind of not surprising that he's like, he's missed every cut that he's played here and he's never really gained a ton off the tee. I, I just don't think that this magnifies his strengths. It's not impossible for him to find success, obviously, but I don't think this is the best spot for his big weapon. I love the take, Rick. I'm a, I'm in fading Mitchell. Also, there's a chance he just like bends his putter and loses nine strokes. But remember he, remember he did that. Yeah. And he was like, your putter's bent, dude. And he was like, Oh crap. That's why. No, oh, that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. I thought I was, I thought I was going nuts here. $7,000 range. This is, Again, exciting. It's massive. I'm not going to read them all. Thomas Dietrich, seventy nine hundred dollars. It goes all the way down to a handful of golfers at seven thousand. Callum Taren, Cam Champ, Davis Thompson, Grayson Sig, amongst others. So, see, yeah, lots of net names. Give me two to start with, maybe. 
All right, let's start with Mito Pereira, another right. guy who, you know, if you look at the recent history, I, I don't think it's amazing. It's not the Mito of old, certainly it's from a ball striking and, and the putting's been bad. But if you look at, if you go way back and you're just, you're just going on pedigree, and I know he's a relatively young golfer, but you can go back 75 rounds for this guy. And he has tremendous upside with the ball striking, with the approach game, uh, even with the putter. So uh, Mito is one guy that I don't think is going to be particularly popular at this point since he's kind of let a lot of people down. So I'll give you Mito. And I'll give you, I'll give you two more names. I'll give you Adam Svensson at seventy two hundred. Um, speaking of ball striking, a guy can, that can absolutely get hot with the ball striking, um, as we see here at the Sanderson. You know, didn't have the best finish. That was because of the putter. And frankly, the putter was an issue with him uh, early last year. But remember, he rebounded from that. And if you if you scroll down a bit on RickRunGood.com, we see where he gained looked like seven or eight in a row with the putter. So he's had some pitfalls. Um, as of late, but I think Svensson, when he gets hot, I think he's a great name. Uh, Matthew Naismith at 7,500. Um, great history uh, with a 14th and 8th and an 18th over the last three and seems to be actually a perfect course fit for this course that's going to play a little shorter. Yeah. Okay. So this is Greg, this is your guy, Matthew Neesmith here, right? Yeah. You, you always bring him up and he might have just broken out of this little slump that he was going through where he was struggling on the second shot snaps off and gains six on approach last week, which is uh, much more in line with what his DNA is. And if that's the version we get this week, it's, it's the skill set around TPC Summerlin. So it should not surprise you that his three results here are 18th, 8th and 14th. Yeah, and I, I love those results, and I love coming off a, a really nice Sanderson Farms championship. Um, I also love that he's gained strokes putting in his last four. So I, I think I think uh, Neesmith is absolutely a, a go this week. He's, he's worthy of a play. The only problem is there's a lot of guys in this $7,000 range that I really like. Um, and and Neesmith kind of fits my mold. That, that's a, a comforting pick for me. But, you know, I, I also am very partial to a, a Ricky Fowler this week. Oh, um, yeah. And I'm curious to see what happens with him. But if you look at his history here, it's pretty good uh, for one. The putting here has especially was very good for a long time. Um, not so much in the last two trips. He still gained strokes. But, I mean, the first three trips here, he gained over five strokes putting. Two of them he gained eight. It was incredible. Um, and and it led to some really nice results. A, a T4 back in 2018, a T7 back in way back in 2009, uh, a couple of top 25s as well. So he's, he's played some really good golf here. Um, but there are two other factors that I like. One is who else lives in Vegas, um, has an academy in Vegas. Oh, Butch Harmon. Oh, there you go. Um, and that's his coach. So you know that there's a a trip. If it hasn't already started, it it will. And he'll be with Butch this week. Um, and and what I can tell you about Butch is he keeps things simple. So this isn't gonna be a well, uh, we finally get to finally get together. It's time to rebuild everything that you've been doing wrong over the last three years. That's not gonna happen. They're going to build on the confidence from his last start, which was quite good. And it, and it wasn't good because of a hot putter. It was it was good because he hit 50. He, he tied. He hit the most greens of regulation of anybody in the field. Um, and, and I think that's going to go a long way. So he's been driving it well. He had a great uh, approach performance at the Fortinet hit a ton of greens. He, he putted well in his last two starts. And I think a lot of that has to do with his approach play. It takes stress off the putter. And when Ricky is putting freely and it, his back isn't against the wall and he doesn't have eight 10-foot par putts around, it, you can see him really light it up on the greens. So I, I think um, this is a good opportunity to buy a little early on Ricky, but I'm watching ownership on that. <laughs> if you ever hear like, the like, oh, what did you and Butch Harmon work on? It's like, uh, I don't know. We were out there for three hours and he told me stories for two hours and 55 minutes. Like, I don't know what we worked on, but something clicked. <laughs> he, he told me I was going to win. And I did. And you hear that story all the time. It's all the time. Yeah. Like, what it's you something like, well, know. yeah, it's just, it's one thing. For two hours. He knows how to coach players. It's going to, it's going to go over really well.
Uh, all right, let me point let me point out a couple of these guys real quick. Yeah. Um, Thomas Dietrich continues his great run, right? Ninth place finish at the Sanderson. We talked a lot about him last week. No surprise there. Um, the next two are Vegas guys, but I think you can look at them from a non-Vegas angle as well. Seamus Power uh, actually has a place. He's at, he's at Summerlin. He's at Las Vegas all the time. Made a ton of birdies last week. Made as many birdies see as Mackenzie Hughes did. Uh, just kind of rattled off a bunch of bogeys along the way. And played the par fives at one over. Seamus Power usually destroys the par fives, top 20 in par five scoring. So I'm I'm willing to kind of give him one more crack at this. And then uh, we were kind of talking about if you're only consuming PGA Tour stuff, if you're only consuming whatever, you've not really seen what Kurt Kitayama's been up to. T20, uh, T37 the BMW Championship, a seventh place finish at the Italian Open, which he gained 12 strokes ball striking. Like Kitayama goes completely under the radar, Sia, does he not? Yeah, well, I, I think so. I, he's one of those names I think is starting to emerge, but he's certainly not going to garner a, a ton of ownership. Um, that's staggering, that that gaining 12 ball striking. If I could pivot from Kurt Kitayama, who I do think is a good play, what about Nick Hardy, who just last week gained a ton ball striking as well? And I think he's of the pedigree that, I mean, not that he has much of one at, at this point in his career, but I think he's of the pedigree where we're not really sure what he is, but we do know he has tremendous upside. I just wonder if a guy like Nick Hardy uh, is very much in play here, because I, I don't think he's getting the attention that he did four or five months ago when he was really having a nice little run. Yeah, there's the shiny new object thing, Greg, yeah. especially, especially in the fall where we just got a bunch of new guys, but like the shiny new objects of Nick Hardy and Chris Goddard up, like they're still here and they were the, the thing of the future six weeks ago. But now we've got new things to look at that make us forget about the old things. Yeah. uh, um, Well, that's part of it. And also the results that they show us help us forget. Um, (laughs) So, look, it's not Nick Hardy played great last week. He he really did. I'm just seeing a little bit of a team no putt thing going on here. And I'm worried that this week you're going to have to rely a little more on short game and putting. Maybe it's more lag putting than just short game. But I, I think you're going to see that come into play this week more than a normal event here uh, because of the new grass. I, I think you're going to see some more tricky wedge shots and some of the easier shots are going to be made just a little bit more difficult this week. So I'm I'm curious about Nick Hardy. I, I'm much more partial to Kurt Kitayama, who's proven. I, I think he's a great play this week. And even though... I, I always take into a grain of salt what the gains are on the European tour, the DP World Tour, um, or any other tour around the world. I, I take into I take it with a grain of salt. Um, there's a tendency to have a, a drop off when you get to the PGA Tour, but Kurt Kitayama has proven his worth on the PGA Tour. He's proven that upside, uh, and in a in a birdie fest, I I like Kitayama a, a whole lot. The rest of the seven K range. Uh, very quickly, SH Kim is playing very well. Will Gordon was great for three rounds last week, still finished 30th. Was your first round leader, by the way, finished 30th. Not always great, but three good rounds. Anyone else that has earned themselves a mention here in the sevens? Yeah, I got one other guy. Yeah. Uh, Matt Kuchar. Oh, I've heard of him. (laughs) Matt Kuchar has two top tens here, albeit they were... uh, hundred years ago. Yep, more than no, a decade ago. He's just, he's just so old. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, and I, I'm usually, I'm very rarely a Matt Kuchar guy. It's a, it's a boring brand of golf. Let's be honest. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, I like the performance at the Fortinet. Um, I, I think his, to the opposite point of that you made with Keith Mitchell driving being the weakness for him. I don't think he's penalized on it. Uh, and he's shown a, a, a very hot putter last season on the PGA tour uh, consistently. I think that's going to be very important. Uh, and I, I think good solid ball striking is going to be somewhat important, but you're going to have to be clean and tidy around the greens. And I think Matt Kuchar is. So I, I have a, you know, a sneaking suspicion that you might see his name near the top of the leaderboard. Okay, so I'm glad I was kind of jo- I mean, I'm glad you brought up Matt Kuchar because both things can be true that Keith Mitchell's strength is not rewarded, but Matt Kuchar's weakness is is not overly penalized here. Right. 
Yeah, well, they're complete opposites. So they right. they kind of balance out. And if you're going to take just to because we talked about them earlier, if you're going to compare Keith Mitchell and Matt Kuchar, the difference is very clear. And we've seen this in the past with some of the winners and some of the players in the top 10 that 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 kind of gets evened out in a way based on the course setup especially a faster golf course. Uh, so I, I think now you're looking at the rest of their game from approach through putting. And if you're going to look at approach through putting, Matt Kuchar could still play with these guys. I mean, he's one of the best putters on tour last year. Uh, and I, I really like what I, what I saw out of him. And I would definitely take Matt Kuchar from approach through putting over Keith Mitchell on approach through putting. And I don't think Keith Mitchell is the only one in the field where I would say that. The sixes. Kind of interesting. Um, starts with Bo Hostler, Brendan Todd, Carl Yuan, Chesson Hadley, amongst others. The min priced golfers this week. Oh, Jim Herman back at the min price. He was, uh, I believe, $6,000 last week. Jason Duffner, Ryan Brem. Um, yeah, that seems, that seems about right. See so, yeah. ya. Yeah, Kyle Stanley's in the field at 6,100. Can't wait to see the stat line on that one. I mean, I, I genuinely Stanley, can't wait. Did he win this, Greg? Has I Kyle Stanley won this or has he finished? I don't like, think so. So it's weird. I was doing research. He either <laughs> he either won this event or he led the field in, in fairways hit. And I know they are completely two different things, but that's <laughs> what I was looking at. And his name was on the top of the list. So I want to say he finished like seventh in a year that yeah. he... 2016. Okay. In a year that he probably led the field in fairways. He gained um, 3.94 strokes off the tee that year. Oof, that'll do it. Yep. Uh, all right. Sorry. See, I got you got me sidetracked with with Kyle Stanley. Okay. What are we doing in the sixes? Uh, speaking of sidetracked, shout out to Joel Dahman, who we talked about a decent amount last week and who got the first cut karma bump uh, by gaining what? Seven strokes ball striking. Was it? Yeah. 6.96 balls. Really good. Yeah. I mean, not a terrible play because remember the narrative on that, that Greg introduced to us. I think this was you, Greg, where you said, you know, it might have he played so much last year. He might have just been gassed by the time he, we got to the end of the year. Well, you get a little bit of a break, a little renewed energy, and maybe Joel Dahman is is back to his old ways. Who knows? I mean, that's certainly a good sign at the Sanderson. Uh, a few six K guys I like, um, kind of going on on pedigree with at least this first guy, uh, Charlie Hoffman at sixty seven hundred. Again, this is a field that. Is, is a little watered down, a lot of young up-and-comers, but Hoffman's ball striking is has returned at least a little bit. Oh, we see here, wow, at the Rocket Mortgage, um, gaining over 10 ball striking after that, gaining three and a half, and then gaining ball striking at the Fortinet. So he did miss the cut at the Fortinet, um, and in the, the putter hasn't been good, but it's the 6K range. If the putter can somehow be even for Charlie Hoffman, the ball striking looks like it's back. Chesson Hadley's another guy. I believe he missed the cut last week as well, but he has good yeah. history here. Got and, great history uh, here, and he's been out, outside of that miscut. That miscut is not off brand for him, Sierra. Right? Like we talked exactly. about this a couple of weeks ago. It's you're getting a top ten, or you're getting a miscut. You're not getting much in between from him. And that's exactly what you said. So we can play the volatility game last week, and we can play it this week, and hopefully we get the the the, the opposite result on the volatility spectrum. So I'll probably be going back to Chesson Hadley. I think Austin Smotherman, who who played well last week uh, at 6,500. Um, the short game is bad. So if, if Greg's right, if the around the green game comes into play a little bit more than than perhaps people think, that that could be a problem for him. But otherwise, the ball striking has been has been pretty great. A couple of just really low price guys. I think John Hunt at 6400 checkered history here, but I think he's in play if you need somebody down there. James Hahn at 6800. I don't hate. Um, if his ball striking is on, he's he's good to go. So, uh, yeah, the John Haas stuff, it hasn't looked good as of late. But prior to that, he was actually on on a nice little roll with the ball striking and the putting. Okay, Greg, uh, let's open up the 6K range and see what the heck we can do here. All right. Um, so, first of all, I'm disappointed with Carl uh, Yuan. I so. I uh, expected a little more from him last week. Went on, it didn't. It didn't pay off. Is that to say that two weeks in, we're we're done with him? No, but I feel like I'm ready to uh, put him on the bench. I was I was let down by the ball striking more. If if we saw another bad putting week, I'd probably give him another go. Uh, but that wasn't the case. It was pretty ugly everywhere. So I'm I'm worried about that. Just start off there. Uh, I am curious about a couple of guys here. One would be a Peter Malnati, um, who has not been playing very well. Again, we're in the 6K range, but he 
has played well here in the past. Uh, tied fifth back in 2020, tied 15th back in 2018. Uh, he's, he's putted well here. He's had some events where he hit the ball pretty well here. This is kind of, again, the Matt Kuchar, Keith Mitchell discussion. His biggest disadvantage might get um, kind of a little bit limited here. So I'm, I'm very open to that. Um, and then a couple of other guys I was interested in. I Oh, Harry Hall. Um, Harry Hall uh, badly missed two cuts in his first yeah. two starts here. But he his only start here is a tied eighth finish. Um, and, and again, he putted well in these two missed cuts. And I'm wondering if he can, you know, get things back on track, hit the ball a little bit better, and give us a performance like he did last year. You want to know who plays more golf at TPC Summerlin than Harry Hall? Who? Nobody. Not many. No, I don't think anybody. Okay. And shot a 60 here last year uh, and finished T8. A 60 not in competition and then finished T8 in the event. I don't. I, I'm with you, Greg. I mean, this these are about as ugly of two missed cuts as ugly. you can have uh, to start your you know full PGA Tour career. But if you look, I mean, he was it, it was three starts ago. He finished third in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, which is the deepest field that they have. He's he's a very good golfer. Going back to like the course for him. So I, I, yeah. I obviously wish he didn't play. I didn't have to look at 12 strokes gain loss from Tita green in two starts. Yeah, I know the data. This is one of those things where the, the data says, no, uh, it says no, no, but it, it's, it's almost not enough. Like I could attribute that to, uh, PGA tour start nerves and just like the hometown thing, it can go one of two directions. Um, and, and it's not always a good one, but maybe coming home for him settles him down a little bit. Uh, but I think more importantly than that, it's a, a place he's familiar with, has done it here on the PGA Tour with the grandstands up, with all of that up. Um, and and I think that's, uh, I, I'm hoping, again, it's a complete flyer. It's a total flyer, but I like it. And there's not a lot in this 10K range that I'm uh, that's not a flyer. So I'll 6K. give you one more flyer. 6K. Sure. What did I say? 10? Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> the people, the people know. All right. So one other 6K flyer. Um, this is Garrick Higo. Okay. I'm Higo. I'm glad you, I was gonna ask you specifically, so I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Now, I don't like to do this very often. Um, this is chasing. It, it's it's not a very good DraftKings DFS strategy. It's just, it's not. But I'm looking at Garrick Ego coming off a third place finish last week. He's won on the PGA Tour at Congaree. We're going back there soon, by the way, which is interesting. Next week. We know the talent of this guy is way better than what we've seen. Do we in, know that? In the past. I like Garrick Ego a lot. He's very maybe young. We, and I think we think that. And I think he won too early. I think it actually hurt him to win as early as he did. But very possible. What like this is this is almost I thought he was gonna win last week, Greg. And I was like, this is like a mini Michael Kim situation. Yeah. Um, or maybe like a Jim Herman situation. Yeah. Like win, miss 25 cuts, win again. Yeah. But you just you go back to this time frame when when he was winning on the DP World Tour uh and winning here, and there was a lot more green in the results. Yeah. And he and and I, I think that's something that he has the ability to to show us. I, I I really do. I mean, the ball striking on the DP World Tour was really strong early in his career, and then he won. To your point, maybe that was really bad for him. And all of a sudden, all that green just turned red, and it stayed that way. I'm just wondering if he found something and got himself comfortable and has the ability to win a golf tournament and contend in a golf tournament. And I think there's a possibility of that. Again, it's another, I, I don't feel safe about it, but he came in third last week and he's 6,800 and he's won on the PGA tour. It, yeah. it puts him a notch above some of his peers when it comes to the pricing. Uh, and that's why I, I'm not, I'm not shying away. I hope he plays well. Because I really like him. I I mean, he's like I don't know, he's like twenty 
two years old. He's like, yeah. I mean, he's a baby. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do hope that this is the start of, of, of something good for him. Uh, a couple, just a real quick, two names that I think are interesting. Uh, Adam Shank's course history is, is really quite excellent. And, uh, you know, Dylan Fratelli at this price seems a little low at 6,700. I th- both of those guys have my interest. Uh, Shank finished T3 here last year, has four top 27 finishes in five starts. That's very good. And the other one was Dylan Fratelli, who I believe played well last week. Yeah, T13. Plus four and a half in the ball striking categories. Actually gained across the board last week. Yeah, playing well. Pretty good start. Okay, gentlemen. Uh, that'll do it for the data, logic, and reason portion of the show. Uh, we will now enter the nonsense version of the show, which uh, I believe, Troy, if you have our narrative lineups handy, we can take those now. Okay, here we go. This is the first slide of them. Uh, Spencer says this is the Sin City team. Aaron Wise, TPC Summerlin is his home course. Taylor Montgomery, UNLV, Las Vegas. Scott Piercy lives in Vegas. He does. Charlie Hoffman, Harry Hall, and Jason Day. That one just says I am from Vegas. Jason Jason Day is not from Vegas, right? So I I, I do a show with Spencer, and uh, most people on Twitter know that Spencer is um, the biggest Jason Day fan of all time, to a fault, perhaps. And so that's where that uh, parenthetical comes from. So this is a bit he's doing. It's a bit. I got it. So that was an inside joke that only you were in on. Uh, well, <laughs> most of Twitter knows Spencer. Just saying. They, they got that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Model Maniac. Let's see what this one says. A shrine of the holiest of golfers. Oh, oh boy. Okay. This Sister Christian Bezadenhope. Okay. Aaron and the three wise men. Jimmy, okay. Jimmy Walker on water. That's pretty creative. St. <laughs> James Hahn, Adam ate the apple Svensson, Chris, wow. Chris Kirk, which the model maniac tells us that Kirk spelled K-E-R-K is Afrikaans for church and asked Mark Immelman to confirm. Greg, this is the um, – I don't know what the right word – like like y- you got to have some knowledge to understand. This is like the oh, uh, yeah. most scholarly – Strokes gain narrative lineup we've gotten in some time. Very so, scholarly. The model maniac is also South African uh, for whatever that's oh. worth. So the, uh, by the way, happy birthday, Mark Immelman yesterday, I believe. Yes. How old? Oh, I guess we know how old he is. 52. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty good for 52. Yeah, he's out absolutely. there. He's out there knocking it around. He's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Chris at benched captain. Ah, ah. Okay, I see where he's going with this. So he says he spent most of my, he sp- spent most of his life in Arizona and enjoyed Las Vegas many times. So this is a gambling lineup. <laughs> Cole Hammer the over. Cole Hammer in on a sponsor's exemption. Patrick, I can't lay that many points. That's pretty good. <laughs> Bet the max, then go Homa, <laughs> which is what Max Homa has been doing at TPC Summerlin as of late. <laughs> Seamus Powerball, which is funny because you can't even play the Powerball in Nevada. You got to oh, drive wow. the border. Yeah. Or DraftKings, which is really silly. Anyway. Gambling, gambling capital Seriously? of the world. Gambling capital of the world. Sam Let It Rider. Oh, these are good. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> Callum, you're not tearing me away from this machine. <laughs> I like that. I, that's my favorite of the uh, on, on the first page. That's, that's very good. good. That's very yeah. good. All right, second page at Fantasy Bunker. Oh boy, these are going to be hard to read because Ryan has already apologized in advance. These are famous Vegas hotels. Adam had win. Paris English. Harris English. Ryan M G Brem. <laughs> <laughs> It should have hit Ryan M.G. Brem Grand. <laughs> yeah, Grand. But it, that would have really hammered him. Oh, God. How am I going to pronounce these? Okay. Carl Cosmopolitan Yuan. <laughs> Just Carl Yuan. Chez Revenetian. <laughs> and Emiliano 
Balazs Grillo. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, John Markowski has entered the chat. He says, this is, uh, this is our final one, by the way. Cautionary, a cautionary tale to the tune of Jack and Jill. Oh, Jesus. So... Zach and Will went up the hill to fetch their wayward tee shots. Zach chipped out, but Will did not because Patrick said, you can't play that. Officials descended upon the scene to wield their shameless power. Will took a drop, hit a dart, and asked the crowd, who the man now? (laughs) (laughs) Patrick missed his putt and cursed himself, awaiting Will to finish. After Will tapped in, he turned to Patrick and whispered, (laughs) <laughs> you keep complaining and I'll keep putting them in. I feel like we would have I had to have read that like 10 times before yeah. we got it right. That's, that's a tough one. I have not even, I have not even thought about the tune of Jack and Jill for about, I don't know, 25 years. <laughs> you got the rhythm right though, Rick. Right yeah. on cue. That's pretty that good. <laughs> it all nice reading. Back. All right, those are our uh, Strokes Gate narrative lineups for this week. Gentlemen, uh, DFS stuff in the books here. We're going to do a uh, Tuesday show of some type, uh, make a preview pod, and we'll go through some round coverage later in the week. But any final thoughts before we get on out of town? Well, I'll say from a DFS standpoint, they're all going to be some popular players. Obviously, I think you can play some of them uh, and you can get your roster construction very different. Don't fall in love with the tiers and the pricing. Just, you know, grab some guys, maybe, like I said, in that upper 8K range, maybe fade the 9K in some of your lineups just to be different. I will be out there this week. I have seen lots of first cut merch, Greg. I would like to see some more. So if you're going to be out there, go ahead. Wear, wear that first cut hat. Wear that first cut shirt. Uh, maybe we'll take a picture. We'll tweet it out or something. It helps. Yeah, helps. Helps Helps the algorithm. Uh, by the way, final words. I love Sia's point on uh, on taking a look at longer form this time of year in general. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to do. I like to look at last year's, a full year of of statistics to help out with some of that stuff. Um, find some, you know, stories like new putters, you know, different different things. If you can find something like, don't force it, but if you can find something like that that you think really holds merit, I think it's really valuable this time of year. That'll do it. Producer Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme can be found at The Real. GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.